This is Rock Talk with Mitch LaFawn. Mitch LaFawn. Welcome to another episode of Rock Talk with Mitch LaFawn. Joining me on the phone, as always, it is co-host Alan Niven. No Bobby Blotzer this week, Mr. Niven. Well, good Lord, that means you've got more oxygen in the room. How are you? Good, good. And I just want to say, it was great to have Bobby on uh, last week. And, and in fact, um, two hours after I put the episode up, two hours, not two days, not two weeks, two hours uh, the first news report, uh, it was actually courtesy of uh, Blabbermouth. They were right on it. So first of all, thank you to them for, for covering the show and listening. But it just goes to show that there is an interest in, in Bobby Blotzer. And, and, and I will, I'll even you know, extrapolate that there's still a very big interest in anything rats. So that was, that was nice to see, actually. It was a pleasure to talk with Bobby again. I mean, it's obvious that we've known each other for a very, very long time. And it's nice to know that, you know, it's somebody that you can still say, after all this time, we get along, we're good friends. Um, Bobby's one of those characters who you might call larger than life. And not everybody can handle a, a character like that. But I think you can tell that Bobby and I had some good times back in the day. Yep. Uh, styrofoam cups. Uh, in fact, I think I'm going to have to hashtag everything styrofoam cups from now on. But, there you go. But uh, speaking of uh, styrofoam cups, uh, let's get – I don't know why this has anything to do with Tesla, but here we are. Let's talk about Tesla. We have Jeff Keith on the line who's going to talk about their new Phil Collin of Def Leppard-produced album Shock. And then on the other side, from, of course, uh, Night Ranger, it is guitarist Kerry Kelly. He's got a new project out called A New Revenge that has a Tim Ripper Owens singing on it. And then, of course, uh, some other guys in the studio handling drums and bass, and we'll, we'll get into all of that. But uh, Jeff Keith, you had, um, well, in fact, illuminate me. You, you have mentioned being there at the beginning when they were, I guess, Kid, Wick uh, Kid Wicked? Yeah, no, yeah. Kid no, Wicked. City Kid. City, City Kid, City Kid, that's right. Kid Wicked, I think, yeah. was, was um, Sebastian Bach, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, you were there when they, when they were the name of that other band. So talk to me, were you just there and saw them in the clubs or were you involved on a business level or a personal level? I mean, did you and, and Troy Lucetta and, or do you and Brian Wheat go have supper? Like what's, what's, what's the Tesla story from the Niven camp? Well, it goes back to uh, a time when, uh, an executive, a very famous and deservedly so, record executive called Bruce Lundvall was starting up uh, another label identity under the EMI umbrella, and it was going to be Manhattan Records, if I remember correctly. And Bruce and I had flirted about me getting out of management and into an A&R job, and bless his heart, he said, if ever you want to work A&R, come and talk to me. And one day Bruce called me and said, would you do me a favor? Would you go to the country club in Reseda and check out Ron Keel's band? I think it was, it might've been called Keel at the time. It might've been called Steeler at the time. I can't remember. And, uh, you know, I said, well, Bruce, you know, I can give you an evaluation right now without going to see him. And he said, no, please do me the favor, go and look. And I can say that I've sent somebody down there to look and I'm being pressed to sign this band. Would you be my representative and give me your evaluation? I said for Bruce to Bruce, you know, for you, anything. Um, so off I went down to the country club, um, 
with, with, with not much enthusiasm. And uh, I decided I'd go a little bit early and just see, you know, who this band is opening up. And the singer's voice hit me immediately. Now, image-wise and song-wise, there was work to be done, to say the least. But they were tight. They could play. And there was this vocalist that had one of those voices that always excites me. Um, you know the kind of singers I like. You know, let's start with Paul Rogers. Um, so I reported back to Bruce and I said, but, you know, but Bruce, you might want to take a look at the opening band. And he said, no, no, I, I'm, you, you've done what I asked you for and uh, I'm really not that interested in the opening band. And I said, well, I don't know. I said, and with your grace, I will mention it to Tommy Zootout, which I did. Um, furthermore, I put them on opening up for Great White on a Great White Sacramento show and got a, uh, a demo of their material um, passed back to me from the band. And um, I had Jack and Don Dawkins go up to uh, Tom Zootout's office and drop the demo off. And then the next thing I know, Tom signs them and they're working with Bernstein and Mensch and the rest is history. That is a, a terrific story. But more importantly, um, I saw Kiss in Ottawa this week. And let me tell you, that was abs- what Did they give you a demo? Well, they gave me a demonstration of of their uh, of their show. It, it, it was terrific. No, but uh, no, I'm kidding. Of course, I'm making a joke. But uh, I did see Kiss, and I just wanted to to publicly thank uh, Doc McGee. He had me out as a guest, and it was absolutely spectacular. Had a nice, uh, no, not tete a tete, because that's actually not a good thing. We had a nice conversation backstage, and you know what was interesting? He was talking about how he was involved in six movies that dealt with uh, Native Americans and Aboriginals. And that was a complete revelation to me because I always thought... No one know, knows. No one knows. I thought Doc McGee is, you know, the Motley Crue guy and the Bon Jovi guy and the this and that, you know, the Kiss guy. And he was talking about how him and John back in the day had ridden around to see the different... Um, uh, not encampments. The, what's the word? What, what's the word no, I'm the, Reservations and stuff. Yeah, the appalling conditions. Of yeah, that area of the world where the Native Americans have been stuck. It is heartbreaking and it's sketchy and it's it's just an absolute national shame. And you know what? I, I will further that by saying it's the same in Canada. We have our prime minister up here, Justin Trudeau, who. You know, listen, he's the worst prime minister the world has ever known, but he talks about reconciliation all the time, and yet he seems to do the exact opposite, you know, and and and, and you go to a reservation, most of them, uh, there's one here in Montreal that actually, just because it's near a metropolis, is actually exceptionally nice, but most of them, if you go up, up north or whatever, they're really... I mean, they're they're literally living in cardboard boxes, and it's it's disgusting, and something has to be done about. It. But the point being, because I don't want to be a, a political show, it's just that I had never heard Doc talk about this before, and you could tell. Wait, wait, he, wait, 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 yeah. wait, 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 hold on, there. Mr. Well, I'm the Rock Talk. I'm not the the. the yeah, I know, yeah. but let's be, let's be real about this. All life is political, and you cannot True. divorce 
any aspect True. of our, our lives from politics. And you know me, as far as I'm concerned, rock and roll at, at its best is the voice of the disenfranchised. It's the way that we give the, the finger to the man. It's the way we go back and go, we see what we're, you're doing and we do not appreciate it. I mean, you can't divorce it completely. I mean, we steer around it and, we, you know, we try and be good guys and not piss everyone off. But, you know, it is what it is. It is. And just, and just while talking about Doc McGee, if you ever get the privilege and chance to be in his company, make the most of it because he is one of the all-time great storytellers and raconteurs. Sitting with Doc is like going to your own comedy show. Oh, he he was great, and we had a chance to talk about the dirt and a bunch of other stuff. But uh, private conversation, so I'm not going to share that. But I just want to say about about the reservations and the Native Americans. You could hear sort of that quiver in his voice. I mean, he he really has a deep connection to it and, and a real understanding of it and a real emotion to it, and you could hear it, like when he was talking about the dirt and Motley Crew. You know, there was a bravado and a, and a personality, and, and, and it was Doc the manager. And when he was talking about Kiss, there was, you know, the, the business guy. But when he was talking about that, you could hear that he really has a sympathy and an empathy. And it, it was truly revealing to me because, uh, you know, when you think of different rock stars and different managers, you think of dollars and cents and can I get more for my band to do this? And, can, and, and it, was just, it was just revealing because I, I didn't know. I didn't know. And uh, well, then, nice. well, then, you know, what we should do is we should go to Doc and say, you know, screw crew, screw Jovi, screw the Scorpions, screw Kiss twice. Um, let's get you on the air and talk about your passion. I would love to do that. And and you know what? I think, uh, first of all, I think it would be compelling. I think it would be interesting. And and I do think that's what what some of my interviews are really good at when you listen to the Desmond child one, or even us talking with Bobby last week, it's not always about shilling stuff and this and that we do get a humanistic sort of overview with artists and, and, and managers and, and producers. And it's nice. It's nice to have that different kind of show where it's not just rock, 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 tour date, tour date, tour date, album, 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 you know, it's, it's well, darling, that's why we call it Rock Talk, and if we're going to call it Rock Talk, let's go and see what Jeff has got to talk about. Yeah, let's get to that. We haven't done a lot of Jeff uh, Jeff stuff, so uh, Jeff, uh, Keith, and of course Tesla are on the road uh, pretty much all year. Canada gets them for the entire month of July. I don't have uh, I don't have the dates in front of me, but I think they're doing like twelve dates or fourteen dates through Canada, opening for Def Leppard. The new album is Shock. It is absolutely spectacular. Um, it's it's a nice uh, summer, I don't want to say pop rock record, but it, it is a nice rock record for, for nice weather. And uh, Le Voici, without any further ado, the one, the only, Jeff Keith. We are speaking with a singer Jeff Keith of the band Tesla. Of course, the new album, which I'm holding in my hands currently, is called shock it is one of the greatest albums you will hear in 2019 jeff just an always always a pleasure to talk to you we we've we've gone back over so many albums together we've talked about into the now we've talked about bar seven the world is a freak but now the new album um 
Let's get started with that. Talk to me about the importance of making new music as a band that has a heritage. You could easily go out and do the Def Leppard tour this summer and not have any new music. You could easily go do the bar circuit or the club circuit or the theater circuit and give us the 15 best, you know, rock me to the top and all of mechanical resonance. Why the importance of new music? Well, you know, what was great is you're, you're hearing you in your intro there, Mitch, is, <clears throat> to, uh, is talk about all the history we have and everything together, but to talk about 2019 and to be such a major record that we made with uh, Phil Collin from Def Leppard. They've always been like our big brothers. We went out in 87 and did the whole 14-month world tour with them. And now here we are making a record with them, and it's... Uh, just this incredible record that we couldn't have done without Phil Collin. And here we are talking about it in 2019. And, uh, you know, I mean, there's a lot of bands that, that, that just kind of go back on their, you know, on their, their back catalog and just kind of can do shows and, and make it with that. But we decided a couple of years ago that we wanted to make a record and we wanted to do it with Phil Collin. And, uh, you know, he wanted to help us, uh, get to a level sonically because, you know, he had mentioned that, you know, we, the last two or three records we made on our own weren't quite sonically there and musically there, you know, so it's, it's great to work with somebody of his stature and, and to come out and have this record that it's just, it's just off the hook, man. I mean, we're on charts that we haven't been on in 10, 15, 20 years and, and we're having a good time doing it. So let's talk about the Sonics, because I've seen reviews on, of the album that sort of go both ways. Some have said, well, it's Tess Leopard, it's this. But I'm on the of, of the of the being that, you know what, a band that has been around this long deserves to break new ground, deserves to try a few new things. And I love it. I really do think it is one of the best things you, you've ever done. It is it is sonically perfect. So. So talk to me about that, but also address some of the concerns of fans that say, okay, it has a little bit of a Def Leppard flavor to it. Well, hey, we're working with Phil Collins, who has, has worked with like people like Mutt Lang and everything, and he has all these tricks, and, and, and not tricks, but all this great stuff and for this great production and how to reach things sonically. And you're, gonna get, you're not going to please everybody. Hey, and I'll tell you as a singer, there's a few times where... I had to say uncle and maybe even a couple times, uncle Phil, when I was, you know, uh, in the, in the vocal booth and saying, Hey, I'm, I'm trying to wrap my head around this or that. And then it's like, you know, uh, you know, uh, I can say, well, I'm not sure that I can totally relate to this as I'm laying it down. But he says, but a lot of people can, which helped me to wrap my head around it. And he helped us reach this level that we wanted to reach because the last, three or four records we've done on our own, which is great. And we could do those all day and, and do it. And just, and, and all the hardcore fans will go, ah, oh, it's still our, our mighty little Tesla, but he's helping us reach this level that is just like, you know, and especially in this day and age with whatever some of these words are, I don't know. They I'm on a need to know basis, but like Spotify and all this Periscope and, 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 and what is this Instagram and all these, great avenues that are social media it's called i know nothing about it but it's reaching all these levels it's getting all this interest and it's on like i said it's, it's reaching these classic rock charts and stuff and doing stuff that we haven't done in years so it, it you know some oh, it, of it was it, new to us 
I, I was just going to say it's a be open to it. It's a, it's it's such a fun album, and I think that's some of the things we've lost over the years is the fun because rock and roll was always supposed to be fun. Yes, it's supposed to be dangerous, but but it's, right. ultimately it's supposed to be fun. So talk to me about working with Phil as a writer because he does have a lot of writing credits on this. Um, right. What was the writing process like? Did you bring finished songs to him and he said, "Hey, I've got a suggestion. Let me tweak it," or was it really, you know? You sat down and Frank sat down and you said, okay, we have a writing session. Talk to me about sort of composing the actual songs. Well, actually, for the pre-production is what you're talking about that we always try to do a lot of. For myself, I wasn't a part of the pre-production thing. It's like we're we're, we're other members. They, you know, they said, Jeff, we need your voice as the vehicle. And then, you know. Uh, on some of the stuff, we're going to map it out for you. Bill's going to map it out for you. What melody to sing, how to sing. And, you know, he's going to try to get these performances for you because he needs ultimately the performance from your voice. But we're going to kind of, you know, uh, he's going to kind of like map it out for you, which usually, you know, with pre-production, the guys will give me music. I'll go, oh, it's making me feel this kind of feeling, this melody. And then I'll fill the melody in with, with the, you know, fill in the blanks with words. But, this approach was where he kind of worked with like uh, uh, Brian Wheat and, 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 and Frank Hannon and, and, and Dave Rude and had some musical ideas from them. And they even had some, some vocal ideas for it and he worked with them. And so sometimes by the time it got to me, it's like, here's, here's the idea. And, and here's what we want to, you know, try to get you to sing with your voice. And I'll be honest with you, it was mapped out. And I was like, Hey, you know, the band asked me to do this, and I thought, hey, after 32 years, if people don't know the way that, you know, I, I approach a song, then they'll never know me, and I'm I'm open to making this record that, that we all as a band wanted to make with Phil Collins' help. And that's, that's the God's honest truth. And, you know, we had fun with it. We'd come in. Uh, a lot of times when we'll write songs, um, we would, you know, work on a song until it was kind of, you know, almost, you know, you could put it to bed and then go to the next where to Phil, it was very exciting to come in and maybe on a particular day, like when I'd come in, we'd work on this bridge part of this song. We'd go over and work on the, the, the chorus on this song. We'd go, uh, hey, let's 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 try to you know get the ball rolling on the on the on the uh, verse to to a particular song. So it was fun, kind of bouncing around from song to song instead of just feeling like ah, oh, we gotta keep pushing at this song until until we kind of can put it to bed and then move on to the next. So that was fun and exciting. And you know what? Rock and roll is fun and exciting. And we had a great time making it. And once again, we're not going to please everybody and everybody's going to have their remarks. But as a whole, we're very happy to be where we're at today, making it and trying and being open to some new ideas and having Phil co-write with us. And, you know, we're okay with that. And the people that just can't stand it or whatever can just hold tight until the next one we write, you know? Yeah, well, too, too bad for them because I, I yeah. like it and I like it the way it is. Um, and, yeah. and, and in fact, I even went out of the way as a Canadian to get the Target version imported because it's got the three alternate mixes. Cost me a fortune, by the way, but worth every penny. Um, yeah, well, quick. you know, I had to ask about that. I didn't know. I thought, well, I need to know kind of maybe it wouldn't it wouldn't hurt for me to know where these extra three tracks came from. That was an exclusive thing with Target. So these are all things that in this day and age that I don't totally understand and don't have to, Mitch. You know, and it, it's not like a, I, I don't want to leave off with the 
it's just a, a too bad attitude with people that can't wrap their head around it. It's just like, just hold tight. We tried something new and we, we loved the new approach that we took with folk home. We tried some things that we wouldn't normally try. It's great to be open to that and to broaden your horizons. And, and for people that go, well, I want that simple like idea of writing that Tessa does. Trust me, uh, we, we like to always put out new music. And, you know, as as long as we can, we're, we're capable of writing songs, which we feel we still are. And we'll always be putting out records. This one happens to be trying some new stuff with Phil Collin, and it's getting some major attention. And it's getting us into these markets and fields that we normally would never even reach. Yeah. So it's a it's great experience. It's a great experience, and the artwork's great. And I, and I think California Summer Song is, is going to be perfect this summer when it's 80 degrees outside and the windows are down on, on the car. But real real quick here, and I'm going to get to the Def Leppard tour that's coming up in Canada. Yeah. You and Def Leppard, I should say. Yeah. But real sure. quick, 1989 was the release of uh, the Great Radio Controversy. It is now 30 yeah. years uh, later. Um Talk to me about the importance of that album, because, you know, listen, I, I was sold as of Mechanical Resonance. And so since that's where I discovered the band, I've always considered it the best album. But that's sort of a, you know, it's it's subjective, it's biased and all that. But but Radio Controversy, was was there a pressure? You, you had done the Def Leppard tour, Mechanical Resonance and Modern Day Cowboys sells. It does very well. Talk to me a little bit about going into that. And by the way, um, I spoke to Steve Thompson on uh, on the phone yesterday just to say that I was going He's to talk a great to you. Guy. Yeah, and he says hello. So just quickly, a hello from Steve. But um, was there? Steve. I love Mike. Yeah, yeah. Mike Barbier. They're great guys, man. We had we had a blast making those records with those guys. Yeah, so I want to ask you two two things about this. First of all, was there a pressure going into this second album of okay, you've had this success, you've had this great tour with one of the premier bands at the time, uh, you need to step it up and come up with these other songs. And also, uh, the the second part of that is mentioning Steve and Michael. How important were they to the early sound of Queens? Uh, not Queens, right? Haha, <laughs> to Tesla. How important were they to the to the early sound of the band? Because Obviously, there's your voice, and there's the way Tommy yeah. plays and Frank plays, and and yes, the songs, but those guys had an importance, right? Absolutely, absolutely, yeah. Steve Thompson had that raw energy about him, and I can relate to that. You know, kind of the part I play in the band is I don't know a lot of the technical stuff. I can just come in and say, yeah, I'm kind of feeling something like this, and go, that's kind of raw. Steve Thompson had that feel about it. And Michael Barbiero had more of the technical part of it. And and like I said, I can relate to that because I'm not a technical kind of guy. I'm more of that raw energy kind of guy. And that's what Steve Thompson played, the, more of the raw energy part of that with Michael Barbiero had that, t- you know, where he knew how to get all these sounds and knew how to do all the stuff. And then he even helped, Mike Barbiero helped me a lot with the lyrics. He, I get an idea of, of, of where I'm going with lyrics, and Michael Barbiero would say, you should write it down. Next thing you know, he's following me, me around with a pen and paper because I'd never write it down. He'd go, what would you just say? i go, I don't know. I just said it. And so he realized that, you know, that he had to follow me around and write that stuff down. And, uh, you know, they were a big part of that, man. They helped us discover who we are and figure out who we were and wanted to be. And they played a very, very big part in that. And then with, 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 as far as the being the second record, uh, something you'd hear back in those days were, oh, it's the sophomore drinks. Are you guys worried about the sophomore drinks? It's like, hey, man, 
if you're not worried about something, you don't even have a concern about it. You don't sweat it and you just write the best songs that you can. And don't worry about, is it going to hit the mark like the first one did? And we didn't worry about it. And to be honest with you, love song we were told was three to eight parts, make it into a song. We said, hey, we're sticking with the way it is. And it turns out to be our only top 10 single song we ever wrote because Signs, uh, when we came out with Five Man Acoustic Jam, b- became a top 10, but that was a cover song. So, you know, go figure. They told us that it's three great parts, make it into a song. We said, we like the way it is where it comes back down to do 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 I know. And next, you know, it's, like I said, it's a top 10 single. So a lot of things we did, Mitch, was... Uh, I don't want, yeah, it's kind of accidental, just not really meant to be that way, you know? It just turns out to be that way. So, let me say, since you mentioned you're not technical and, and, you know, they had the guys running around with a pen after you, what is sort of your vocal approach going into the studio? Do you you sort of have these intense rehearsals where you map out all the songs and the harmonies and the vocal, you know, and the vocal lines? Or is it like, okay, just hit record and I'm going to, I mean, is it, which I would consider more of a David Lee Roth yeah. approach, is that sort of your thing? It's like, listen, hit record and whatever sound comes out, that's like, how, how do you sort of prepare to record and, and make well, it out? When, yeah, when, when you got so much in the can, you can go, hey, you got that. Let's try another take and try a different approach. There's things, ways of doing that. But for me, I, I never was the kind of person where they go, wow. So-and-so wrote a song at a, at a diner in five minutes on a napkin. It's like, I'm not that kind of guy to write you know, a poem and then put it to music. For me, it was always the guys were just, just kind of just hit me with a slew of music, man, and just just throwing all kinds of musical ideas at me from Frank, Tommy, uh, uh, Brian, we, and Troy Lucchetti even was throwing some stuff in there, you know, and, and they would just kind of bombard me with stuff and whatever I would kind of sink my teeth into as far as melodically. And next, you know, um, if I was feeling something melodically next, you know, I start filling in the blanks with words and, and then they would, you know, I, I would come to them and say, here's what, what I'm feeling for this song or this song. And next, you know, they go, that's great. And then we'd feed off of it and build, build it into a song. So yeah, you know, I was more of a, just kind of like things I couldn't let go that they would give me musically and I couldn't let go. And I'd, I'd want to try to spread it out throughout all the ideas, but sometimes I'd go, man, I just can't help but keep coming back to this song or this song. And that's how we usually always did it. So which so making this new record with Phil is a total different approach for me. And well, which was, it was great, you know, cause I'm trying something new and, uh, you know, what, what's always worked for Tesla is now we wanted to try something new and be open to something new. And here we are in 2019 yeah. on the charts. Yeah. Yeah. So before I before I move on to the, to the next set of questions, just finishing off on the great radio controversy, anything planned for the 30th anniversary? Any kind of, uh, you know, you're going to play more songs? Will, 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 will we hear? I mean, I know you're doing to Be a Man now, but just sort of. Mm-hmm. How do you look back on it on 30 years? Is it a crown jewel in the, in the in the accomplishment, or is it just a stepping stone along the way? How do you sort of look back and go, No, it's yeah. a crown jewel. It's, I'll tell you what the trick is for us, me, you know, uh, sometimes writing stuff, and we're in the, the key of E, and, and I'm writing all this high stuff that's kind of very difficult to sing these days. Hey, the guys just drop it down, you know, uh, an octave, or, not an octave, but a key or two, and next thing you know, 
I'm able to sing something like Be a Man because we never did that. Probably like maybe three times we tried it when uh, when the great radio controversy came out. It's like, man, I just sang it. My melody's way too high. So like I said, you know, Frank or someone will go in and, and bring, knock it down a key or two. And next you know, I'm able to sing it 30 years later. So, you know, it's fun to go back to those songs that we never got to play much. And now knock it down a key or two and be able to play it and have fun with it, you know? Yeah, so so talk to me about the set list, because you've done this February run of shows, and we saw Miles Away and Edison's Medicine and yeah. Stir It Up and Be a Man, and, and you're actually not doing sort of like a lot of bands. Here are our 10 songs, take it or leave it. You're, you're mixing it up, which as a fan, I think is interesting, because it's like, well, I saw them in Montreal tonight, but tomorrow they're in Ottawa, and they're not playing the same set list, so do I do the drive? Right. Damn straight I do the drive, because I want to see those other songs. Um, talk to me about that, the decision this year to mix it up, to loosen it up and say, all right, you come to a show, you don't know what 10 songs you're going to get, so you better show up. Well, it's right. Hey, and you know what? Also, and, and that place, and, and, and that's what that favors is, is people go, hey, I wanted to go to both shows. And now that I know that you're going to be changing up, I'm going to make it a point to mix to both shows. But for us as a band... It also makes it exciting for us because we're mixing it up for us instead of, you know, us just feeling like, wow, we're just kind of playing the same songs. We played this the last run. Maybe we changed a few songs up from the run before, but we're really, you know, every two or three shows, you know, throwing a couple, two or three new ones in the mix and maybe that we played a couple weeks before or maybe that we haven't played in years. So it really makes it exciting for us because, you know, as a band, it's very important to keep us feeling fresh too. You know what I mean? Because of course, you know, the staple songs are the songs you got to play every night. People are just going to be expecting modern day cowboy, Susie, uh, uh, you know, and all these songs, uh, uh, heaven's trail. Um, I, I mean, the list goes on and on that people, if you don't play love song, people are going to be going, what the heck? Right. So, there's the staple songs that you got to always play, but you know, it, in a headlining show, uh, it, with an hour and a half, there's a lot of time to sit there and, and move some things around. And, uh, and, and it makes it fun for us. It makes it exciting for us, which makes it know, exciting it, for the fans. Cause you, you feed off the energy. Yeah. You absolutely right. do. It's not just for the fans, it's for ourselves as well. You know? And I'll tell you this, it also gives you hope because I've always said, I'm going to go to a show, they're going to do Yesterday's Gone, they're going to do Making Magic, they're going to do Lazy Days, and now that you're switching yeah. it up, it actually could happen. So I'm like, all right, come on, tonight's the night. I know tonight's the night. Um, let me just quite quickly get to these Def Leppard dates here. You are doing an entire okay. run in July from coast to coast in Canada. Right. Uh, first of all, right. very, very rare that bands like Def Leppard and Tesla or any bands do a full Canadian run. That 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 whole sort of all British run, all France run, all yeah. that that concept has been lost over the the last thirty years. Um, talk right. to me about that. Talk to me about, of course, this partnership with Tesla. It is obviously not the first time you've gone out with them, and yet. It's still exciting as a fan. I'm truly speaking as a fan, it's still exciting. I still love the package. In fact, don't even bother announcing other packages. Just do this for the next 10 years, and I'm good. Uh, <laughs> right? But but talk to me about them, that, that, that band that sort of gave you that first shot. And yes, I know management and blah, blah, blah. There's all kinds of stuff that goes on. But they still yeah. brought you out on the Hysteria tour. 
Um, talk to me about what they have meant to both you personally and also professionally, because listen, if it wasn't for the Hysteria Tour, maybe we wouldn't have gone to the next level. There's a lot of... Right. So personally, what has Joe and Phil and Rick and so on meant to you? And then also professionally, what has this association meant to Tesla the band? Are you kidding? They're our big brothers, and they really, truly love us, and we appreciate everything they've ever done for us and continue to do for us. And they just have this love for us. They just took us under their wing back uh, during the Hysteria Tour. And then when, when opportunities come up, they go, hey, let's have our little brothers, Jessica, come in. And, you know, I mean, to do this run from coast to coast in, in, uh, in Canada is exciting. And they're the ones that ask us, yeah, we would like you guys to open the show. And so, I mean, that says a lot that the guys, they still love and believe in us. And we're still very much appreciative of it. And, and we, we honestly see them as our big brothers and, and they just, you know, they take good care of little brothers, you know, and we appreciate it and we're very fortunate for it. And, uh, we couldn't be happier to be coming up this summer and just rocking from coast to coast in Canada. Like you said, sometimes you just bounce up to this show, bounce up to that show. Or, you know, like in 2005, we did our own acoustic thing. But this is a major tour from coast to coast, from Halifax, St. John's, wherever it is from, all the way to the other end. And it's like, that's exciting stuff, man. And we're very fortunate to have these guys and that believe in us and really do, you know, love us and took us under their wing as little brothers. And we're still their little brothers. And We'll always be, and we're family, and they're just like, hey, let's, we want you guys to come along, and it's going to be a great package, and we're going to have a lot of fun doing it. And I know you're going to be there, Mitch. Oh, I'll be there. I, I have my eyes on Quebec, Montreal, and <laughs> Ottawa already, but just real quick, uh, right. be, because you have this special association, are you just an opening band that gets 45 minutes, or will fans get sort of an hour and yes. 15? Are, are you getting a little bit of extra time? Is it going to be sort of a longer set, not real? Not necessarily co-headline, but also not just you're the open. You're you're sort of the. It definitely won't be a co-headline. There's no, I mean, it's right. not even inkling of a thought. I mean, Def Leppard is Def Leppard, man. We're Tesla and Hall of Famers, Def Leppard. We don't even come close to being on a you know co-headline tour with Def Leppard. But um, with it just being us opening for them, I'm sure we'll probably get more than 40 minutes. But I don't know exactly the time frame we'll get, but. It's going to be fun. We'll still have enough, even if it's like, say, maybe close to an hour set, we'll still be able to change up some songs and, 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 and you know, and, and, and be appreciative and be right there to be happy to be playing uh, in front of their crowd, which, which we've been known to be, you know, known, very well known in their crowd. So, hey, we're very fortunate for it and looking forward to it. And, and uh, hopefully, you know, we're going to take advantage of every minute they give us and I'm on looking, that stage. I'm looking for, hopefully they'll give you an hour and, and I'll finish with, uh, with two things because I know we only have half an hour. Okay. Uh, first of all, okay. uh, we have talked a lot about Phil Collin. Do you want to make the next new Tesla album with Phil or has it been like, well, we've tried something new and then we want to try something new the next time. Where do you sort of see the relationship moving forward and say 2020, 21 you think you will do it again? Well, you know, I'm one of, like I said, I'm just the guy that hand the microphone to 30-something years later going, hey, bud, just over this way and here, do what you're doing to that microphone. But, you know, we're right. We're just 
we're just getting getting out of the box here, you know, out of the starting gate with this new record that we made with Phil. So, you know, we'll see. And right now at this point, it was just, we've got this opportunity. Phil came to us saying, I'd really like to work with you guys. And as a band, we said, man, we, we're really honored and we'd like to take you up on it. But, you know, the fact that are we going to do the next record with them, I don't even think we've even went that far down the line to think about it. We're just still, like I said, out of the starting gate and go, hitting charts and stuff and, do, you know, and, and learning all this stuff that we learned from Phil. And who knows, maybe the next record will be like, hey, we learned a lot from Phil and we're going to do stuff on our own level. But who knows? I mean, you know, I'm not sitting here... I'm not the one to say uh, the next record we won't be doing with Phil, or who knows, maybe we will. But at this point, we've made a new record with Phil. Uh, we're excited about it. Yeah, shock. It's hitting all these charts. It's getting us well-known. And it's shock. And, and, and right now, we're just wrapping our head around doing shock with Phil Collin, and we're happy about that. And we're right in the middle of it and, and right in the mix, and things are going well. And that's yeah. as far as we're looking at it right yeah. now. Yeah, and it debuted at number 21 on the uh, uh, 200, uh, 200 uh, uh, Billboard 200 album chart is what I'm trying to say. And uh, here's what I'm saying. Instead of Phil doing the next record, you, Jeff, should produce the next Def Leppard record. That's what I'm all about. Me? Oh. <laughs> yeah, why not? No, man, I'm not, a, I'm not a producer, but I'm the guy that they go, hey, man, this Backwoods stuff, Yeah, we know you're from a small town, Jeff, but... Uh, you know, for this new record, I had to kind of back off of my 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 little little small town backwoods boy uh, values and to, to be open to the to making the the, the big record. You know, so uh, I definitely am not uh, producer material. I mean, how many producers that take the light bulb? I don't know. What do you think? Why you know? not? Well, or, or we'll <laughs> give it off to Troy. And I'll finish with this because uh, you, you are go. celebrating two anniversaries this year. Uh, it is, of course, okay. the 15th anniversary of Into the Now, which came out in 2004. Oh. Yeah, did you not know that? that you, you've got an entire anniversary year going on here. But uh, That's great because that one was made up in Pollock Pines, where Frank lived up in Pollock Pines, and he had this little studio, and we had uh, uh, um, uh, um, Marco Bustos uh, put, put together this, you know, made some uh, floating, uh, what do you call it, uh, box, uh, you know, a studio and right. next to the bowling alley, long story short. And here we are. And we, we, we wrote the songs, we produced them, uh, whatever you want to call it and recorded them. And, 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 and the record might not have done anything, but it don't, it did a lot for us because here was our first record back together after breaking up for four years. So, uh, that, that'll always be a memorable record. Well, and that's what I was going to ask, because it was, in fact, you know what? It just occurred to me. You're celebrating three anniversaries this year, because Bust a Nut uh -oh. was, was 1994. So it's 15 years of Into the Now, 25 years of Bust a Nut, and 30 years. Oh, my Lord. Uh, but yeah, but just. Oh, my God. Right. You got three. It just yeah. dawned on me. You have three anniversaries. Yeah. Well, see, you're really good at crunching the numbers there, Mitch. You yeah. pay attention to all that stuff. Yeah. But how important was it after 10 years to come out with this new album? Because I remember it came out in March, but I had been given an advanced copy in November of 2003, actually. And I spun that thing like crazy because I was just excited that Tesla was making new music. And you hear at Into the Now and Miles Away and Only You and Caught in a Dream. And you just go, man, these guys haven't lost a freaking thing. Uh, but how important was it for you to not just 
get back on stage and do some shows and do the thing in Sacramento, blah, 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 but actually get back and be a recording band, not just some heritage band doing some silly shows, but an act, not silly shows, but shows and being a band going, yeah, but we're also current. We're also a recording band. We're, we're a studio band. We're not just some, you know, thing. Yeah. Well, we still got those juices flowing in us that, that are, you know, we're, we still got that songwriting, not saying ability, but we, we've still got that drive in us to write songs, you know, and uh, be it on a smaller level on our own or like this new record shop, Bill Collins, do it on a, on a big level. We still love to write new songs. We just love to write songs. So it's not trying to stay in the market or trying to do something deliberately. We just love writing songs. So, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll always, uh, you know, even if the next one's on a smaller level, we'll always have this songwriting drive in us. You know, we just love to write songs. And, and it was just and great to we have love you to go out playing live. Great to have you. And by the way, Simplicity is five years old. So if you want to go with four anniversaries, feel free. That's, um. <laughs> that's right, Mitch. That's right. Because Simplicity kind of just was made uh, out at Tom Dutat's farm in, in, in Virginia. And it kind of just came out and was underneath the radar and didn't really, people, some people didn't even know we did it, but we knew we did it and we enjoyed doing it. We had fun doing it, man. Yeah, you, you really did. And yeah. I noticed you have albums in almost every year that finishes in four. So I'm hoping the next Tesla album is not in 2024 because I would be way too far down the road. But Jeff, uh, always... No, we won't wait that long. <laughs> yeah, I hope not. Oh, always a pleasure. And yes, I will see you at some point on the Canadian tour. And of course, uh, I, we will take uh, Troy and uh, everybody around town and uh, whatever you need. Always a pleasure. And, uh, you know, just uh, I'll finish with this. Thank you for the music. Thank you for being there. Thanking, thank you for not giving up. It's nice to have bands that don't just do one or two albums and disappear. You are lifers, and it has been an incredibly joyous <laughs> ride to take with you guys. Well, thanks, Mitch. And the ride's still not over. Like you said, we're lifers, man, so the ride is definitely not over. And it's, and it's great. And, of course, Shock is out now. It is absolutely delightful. Uh, and, and you know what? I'm waiting for summer. This is going to be an even better album when it's 80 degrees outside. That's great. Hey, that's the funnest part about making a record is going out and playing them live, you know? I agree. As we say, in, Mar as we say in Montreal, merci beaucoup. Thank you so, so much. Uh, all right. Thank you very much, Mitch. We'll see you soon. Talk soon. Okay, buddy. Bye, Thanks. Jeff. Cheers. Bye. All right. Cheers. Bye-bye. You're listening to Rock Talk with Mitch LaFon. Rock Talk. A very big thank you to Jeff Keith. Of course, uh, the new album is Shock Tesla. Rocking the world, as always. New album, new tour, and uh, just uh, all around great guys. And now let's get over to Carrie Kelly of, well, currently of um, Night Ranger. And of course, the new band is A New Revenge with Judas Priest or former Judas Priest singer Tim Ripper Owens, and uh, before we get to that, it was announced recently, Monsieur Alain, that Guns N' Roses is heading to Kentucky to play Louisville, to play the Louder Than Life Festival, and of course, I had been told all of last year, at the end of last year, 2019 is an off year, they're not going to be doing, Slash is going to go do his, his solo thing. And Duff is going to, uh, well, I, what, uh, do whatever Duff does. 
and Richard Fortis is going to go do his solo stuff, and 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 Axel is just going to continue to rule the world. And now they're back doing some shows. So I was a little bit surprised. Um, what have you I heard of it? Yeah, were you? And by the way, I love this. The um, top three day top shelf VIP is fourteen hundred dollars plus fees. Now, of course, that's not Guns N' Roses because there's other bands on the bill, but $1,400 for a three-day pass to a festival. Now, is there anything that might make that price worthwhile? Have you, you know, do you think Izzy's going to show up? Let's keep this in the realms of pure whimsical speculation. And bear in mind that I hate Las Vegas and I'm not a gambling man. I can't imagine a now, more now, stupid now hold on. thing to do. Speak slowly because Alternative Nation is currently jotting down the notes. They've got their pen and pencil, so don't go too fast because we don't want them to get it wrong. Um, well, let me repeat. This is purely me sitting here with a cup of coffee and a smoke and uh, maybe my little vape to keep my nerves in good shape. Um, I would, I'm not a betting man, as I just said, I'm not a fan of Las Vegas. I think gambling is the most ridiculous human occupation of all. Um, but I would gam, I would bet and I would gamble on this one. I would lay dollars to donut that it's going to be a genuine reunion and they're hoping to get Izzy on stage, not just for a sound check, but for a performance. And I think it's very much a let's see how it goes. Let's see if Izzy's comfortable, and let's see if we can prep up for next year. But I would, I would definitely put five dollars on on a winner, winner, winner that Izzy's going to be there. Do you think that's partly because of the location? Because you know Kentucky and that sort of mid—it's not too far from Indiana, and there's sort of a homeboyish kind of. I mean, do you think that has anything to do with it? Well, well, well. Why would you want Izzy to feel safe and he's got a bolt hole that's just up the road in case he wants it? Um, that might have played into it. I, I think that, you know, playing in Kentucky, um, it's close to home. Louisville has got a little bit of a pass. Or is that St. Louis? I get them confused sometimes. I'm English. That happens. Um, yeah, that might have a little bit, bit of play in it. You know, is he likes his ability to safely disappear. Um, but I'd, I would, I would be amongst the unsurprised if it turned out to be a genuine reunion of some sort. Well, I'm, I'm going to read you this because I'm going to play cryptic doctor with the press release. Uh, it says over here, festival producer Danny Wimmer has said this, 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 and the quote go on. Every year we want to come back bigger and better, and we can't wait to welcome Axel slash Duff and the rest of Guns N' Roses to Louder Than Life. Now, we currently know that Richard's there. We currently know that Frank is there and Melissa. And yet the quote from the producer is, we can't wait to welcome Axel slash Duff and the rest of GNR. So is that sort of a cryptic door opening or is that just uh, fancy well, I'm speculation? Waiting I'm waiting for the promoter to send me my check for starting the rumor that Izzy will be there to help the sale of those ridiculously priced tickets. No, I'm joking. Um, I would genuinely not be surprised if it was a genuine reunion. That would not surprise me in the least. 
I, in fact, I would, as I said, I'd even run my hand down the back of the couch and take the change and go put it on that bet. I think I'd win. All right, so I'm going to say this then. When you talk about genuine reunion, I'm going to hit you with two questions. Because, and again, we're playing we're playing speculation 101 here. Does that include Stephen Adler? A and B. If it if it does or doesn't, is Izzy there for three songs and an encore and thank you very much, or do you mean he shows up at the at the onset and he does a three hour set with the boys? Well, if I were Axel, and I was looking at rolling around the rest of the world like a, a German panzer division um, back in World War II, I would want a bullet in every chamber and I'd want it to be the sensation of the year and the only way that they're going to be sensation of the year as opposed to um, Velvet Roses Part 2 is to have, is he there for the full set? And have Stephen included in there too. See, I'm I'm liking this conversation now. Of course, uh, folks. And 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 again, if I if I were Axel, I would have Izzy there for the entire set, and just bump everything to an, a slightly more energetic level. I'd bring Stephen on for the encores and make the encore. They basically uh, appetite well, the, the, yeah make 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 the encore the money shot to, for to use a a an adult industry yeah cause, uh, yeah because can you imagine the rush you know gnr been playing for an, an hour and a half or something and then there it is at last for the first time since april 7th 1990 there's the band welcome to the motherfucking jungle motherfuckers yeah oh i can uh yeah there you and, have it. And it's fun that, that, by the way, that this show was announced because there, there was this incredibly random speculation at the beginning of the year. And, and, and again, we're playing fantasy here that Van Halen was going to do a reunion tour and play all these um, stadiums, Wrigley Field and so on and so forth. And then other folks were like, yes, but it needs another band. And, and people were like, well, Guns N' Roses is going to be going out with them. And it's like, no, they're not. No, they're not. But so so. Now we have Guns doing their own solo show here, just randomly in the middle of nowhere, Kentucky. So, yeah, I think it's going to require something. And uh, Izzy showing up would be welcomed. And um, does oh, that you mean, mean you get you mean you get the heart of the soul? I have to say that carefully because people think they hear heart and soul. No, he's the heart within the soul of the band. But, others, others may be the muscle. Others may be the brain. Others, or claim to be a brain. Um, <laughs> guess who I might have been thinking of then? Um, but for me, and I'll say it again, one more freaking time. It was always Izzy's band. That's what I knew. It was. It, well, listen. It, yes, uh, yes, no. Uh, I'm a fan. I like Slash and Axel. I think it's Slash and Axel. But yeah, it, it, Izzy wrote the songs, right? I mean, that's 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 the truth. <laughs> oh, what well, you know? And he was, in my book, a really excellent personification of rock and roll and its attitudes and viewpoints and style. It flowed naturally for him like water out of a tap 
It really did. And of course, since everything takes a, a kiss connection, let's not forget that. Oh, good Lord. How are well, you going to squeeze kiss into this? Well, you know, very, very très simple. As we, you know, I'm, wow. I'm going to have to get you to one of those deprogramming centers one of no, these days. No, no, no. We're going we're gonna to get kiss in here. Very, very, as you know, folks, of course, Paul Stanley was uh, looked at as being the uh, producer for one of the Guns N' Roses records. It didn't happen, but it could have happened. And it would have been spectacular. There's a reason why it didn't happen, and we'll just leave that there. That is because Kiss was too busy touring the universe and making fans everywhere they go really, really happy. And he just didn't have time to hang out with Guns N' Roses. That's it. Take another hit off the vape. Hey, I don't do any of that. But, uh, oh, hey, yeah, we were talking about Kerry Kelly and his new band, A New Revenge. In fact, we didn't really talk about it, but do check it out. It is out now. It is on Spotify and all the streaming sites. And just, folks, uh, the interview was done just before its release. So we do talk about the release date coming up. But fret not, it is still fresh content. And here is the one, the only, guitarist for... Well, everybody, including Night Ranger, Carrie Kelly. We are speaking with a guitarist, Carrie Kelly, currently uh, plying his trade with Night Ranger, but also soon A New Revenge, uh, an album that's going to have uh, Tim Ripper Owens and others on it. Uh, Monsieur Kelly, as we say, bonjour. How are you? I'm doing great, man. I'm doing great, Mitch. I'm glad we can catch up here, man. It's been a been a little been a couple minutes here been, a, been about a, a year ago since m3 yeah yeah m3 2018 and that was a wild wild m3 uh, folks got to see you know folks in the stands got to see a great performance by you and sebastian bach and all that but backstage i got oh, to yeah. see a great performance by you and sebastian bach and, you <laughs> well know. you know some people some people uh you know they uh they they don't uh, they don't know night ranger likes to have a good time man and we we definitely had the the party going on backstage man it was uh, i was the i was the entertainment director you know trying to coordinate everybody I, I think we had more people you know in our room or our two little rooms that we had than than were on stage at the time you know what i mean it was just like packed in there man but oh you you good, must man. have had um i mean without being facetious probably like 60 people cramped into a dressing room and of course these are yeah. not these are not opulent dressing rooms from from the king of wherever. These, no, it, it, it was something, and and it was like, oh, I thought they were going to be the quiet band, but no, everybody was in, there, and it was a great time. Just a, a lot oh no, time. no, it, it was yeah, we had them all crammed in there, and everybody was having a great time. You know, we had uh, libations were flowing freely, and uh, you know, people were backbiting and gossiping like crazy, and it was a uh, it was a good time. I think we had Faster Pussycat in there, all the Striper guys. Obviously, Bach was in there with his crew. Some dudes from Ace Freely. Obviously, you were there. Lawn friend, our, our old-time yes. friend from uh, Rip Magazine. I mean, yeah, man. We're having a blast, dude. Lawn, lawn is great. And, yeah, just that, that was just a, an incredible event. And, of course, the performance, yeah. because being in Canada, we don't get to see Night Ranger a lot because, well, you forgot that it has existed. or it ex- Yeah. <laughs> and, and so, no, it was great. That, that was my first ever Night Ranger performance, and I just thought it was phenomenal because the albums are great. Anyway. But let's quickly cool. talk about New Revenge. So yep. give me the story on this, because, you know, from what I understand, it, it's it been in the work. Uh, I had an interview with Ripper Owens, and he said, listen, this, this stuff is from, I guess, 2014, 2015. It's sort of been sitting there. It, it, we did it. Um, 
what's sort of your take on it? Is this stuff that's been sort of sitting around and now it's time to get it out? Or is it is this been remastered, redone, replayed, uh, finished? Uh, what, what's sort of the, the deal on the new Revenge? Yeah, I mean, you know, to try to make a long story very brief somehow, you know, we started the band about four or five years ago, and it was just kind of like a, you know, a jam band kind of a thing where uh, we got together, we would play songs from each of our kind of respective people, you know, artists that we've been, you know, a part of, you know, the Alice stuff and, and, and or Priest, Scorpions, etc. But then we started, we said, hey, let's, you know, maybe let's write some songs because we're having such a good time with each other and blah, blah, blah. And so we did that uh, one song after another after another. It wasn't something that we just did in a month or two. It really, it took, <laughs> it was like a couple year process, to be honest with you. Um, getting it all together, but yeah, it it the record has been complete now for a while. It's been a long time coming. I got to tell you the truth, but about a year ago ish is when we finally got it complete, and it was mixed, completed, and and mastered. Actually, it was just mastered like about nine months ago. But uh, yeah, it's been a long time coming from the project, but we're glad that it's finally completed, and we're glad that it's coming out, and we could uh, unleash it on the uh, rock and roll world the, on the, the globe. The brethren uh, is. Yeah. Is is this a touring band eventually? Is this a touring entity or is this sort of the album drops, you go do uh, Night Ranger and, and James does Kingdom Come? And what's sort of the, the, the take on this in terms of getting out there and playing a few shows? Yeah, you know, we really want to play. I mean, like I said, in the past, a few years ago, um, we we have played you know more when it was the jam band even though I think we did play a couple of original songs here and there but uh, you know we've done Russia two or three times literally from coast to coast from St Petersburg all the way to Vladivostok we played in Scandinavia we did some European shows Belgium things like that but uh, we would like to carve the time out um, it's just really a matter of logistics to be honest with you um, you know everybody does have their their other projects that that are you know that they're committed to. You know, James is trying to get Kingdom Come back up and running, which is cool. Tim obviously always has things going on, his solo stuff, or now he has the three uh, tremors that's going on. And then Night Ranger, obviously, I mean, we're pretty locked up through summer. So if we can logistically put a few weeks together here or there, whether that's going to be in America or whether it's going to be a uh, European thing or a Russian thing, it would probably be third quarter or into third quarter or into the fourth quarter to be honest that's that's great so hopefully it'll happen i, I mean i look forward to that yeah. now um yeah, yeah we'd lo- we like i said we'd love to do it because we i mean that's how the whole thing came to fruition like we had such a blast playing together just jamming then we said hey man maybe we should try to write some songs so it was really natural it wasn't something that was put together by a record company or put together you know as hey let's get together and let's make a record and you know try to get 30 grand or whatever it may be we just kind of did it one step at a time so hopefully we can get out there and play these songs for the people yeah i i would love to hear that and uh, let me uh, let me move around here because we we've got yeah. uh, we've got some some other things to talk about um in february uh, night ranger put up a statement on their uh, socials that tour manager todd confessor passed away and after that you know eddie trunk and other bands and Alice Cooper's people and blah blah blah. Mm-hmm. They, they they all put up messages about Todd and just mm-hmm. just just quickly if you, if we can take a second to remember Todd because I think it's important to remember him because he is uh, he was he he was his, he was a brother. I mean, really. yeah. 
Uh, Absolutely. Uh, yeah, and then and then after that, if you can, just just talk to me about the importance of a tour manager because a lot of fans you hear the word tour manager and you hear the man, you know, the producer, and, but they don't really understand what what they do. Um, so so that first, let's just remember Todd for a second. What, what did he mean to you personally, and and of course for the band Night Ranger? Yeah, you know, he was he was with the guys for a little over 10 years. Um, and so I've been playing a night ranger for uh, like five years now. Um, and we were great friends. I mean, you know, Todd uh, on our off time, hanging out, you know, having great meals together and, uh, you know, talking about bands. He loved music. This guy, I mean, he came up in the eighties, you know, as a drummer in New York, um, and then started kind of work, got away from the plane and got kind of into the tour managing thing. And, and, you know, in with his guys like Danger Danger up in that area and, and Trickster and things like that, and then progressed into working with, you know, Kiss, uh, you know, Marilyn Manson, Garbage, obviously Night Ranger, like I said, the last 10 years or so. And uh, and he was awesome, man. I mean, it's uh, we're all still kind of in, in shock on the whole thing. I mean, I think about it every day, and I know the guys do as well, because um, he was literally with us every day, you know, or four days or so out of every, pretty much every week out of the year. Um, Night Ranger is a, is a touring machine and he was there literally day in and day out. So, uh, he's missed, man. I mean, like I said, it's every day I think yeah. about him. I think it, it, the other guys do as well. And it's, uh, you know, but it's part of life, you know, and, 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 uh, it's sad, but we got to move on, you know, yep. everybody has to, but uh, yeah, he was a great, a great man and, and an incredible tour manager. You asked about what happens, you know, or what their job function is. Yeah. Basically their job function is everything. I mean, literally there's so many moving parts. People don't understand, especially when you have a, a, a bigger type of a, a band or a bigger production band, like say night Ranger or, or even bigger. Um, when you start having, you know, five, six, ten guys on your crew, then you've got the, you know, four or five band guys, etc. I mean, they do everything from all the logistics. I mean, from, when the cars are picking you up at your house to go to the airport, to the air, to all the travel arrangements, to who's picking you up at the airport on the other side, you know, so all these guys, all these moving parts, the hotel check-ins, where people want their rooms to be. Cause you know, some people, Hey, I don't want to be by the elevator. I want to be at the end cause it's noisy. And then, so all phone call after phone call, after phone call, then the logistics of the shows, advancing the shows, making sure obviously all the PA specs are right. Maybe, you know, running the security meetings with the security teams before the show on, on what people can and can't do, which passes are valid, which passes are not valid after show food, catering food, you know, your rider specs. I mean, it is literally settling up. Uh, 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 yeah. Settling. Of course it was, you know, one of the most important parts getting the money. Um, it, it, whoa, sorry about that. I'm in San Francisco here right now. Uh, kind of noisy, but, um, yeah, I mean, there is literally a tour manager's job is never ending. It's, it is literally day-to-day, a hundred moving parts. Uh, it's like putting the same puzzle pieces in, in the same puzzle, but at, at a different show every single day. So uh, it's, a, it's a heavy job, and, uh, and Todd was a master at it. i got to tell you, I've been with a lot of different tour managers over the last 25 years or so that, that I've been involved in, uh, you know, all these various projects and whatever, and... Uh, and he was he was really the best man. He treated the guys great. He treated treated me great. Um, you know, the utmost respect. And like I said, he really loved. He did it as a job, of course. Everybody's got to have a job, but he loved music. Like I said, he started out as a drummer and then moved more behind the scenes. And uh, he was great, man. He was really great.
he, he really was. And of course, he'll be missed. Now, um, the band, uh, Night Ranger, and you are heading out mm-hmm. on tour, of course, because you're always on tour. And some of the dates are going to yep. be with uh, Sammy Hager and The Circle coming up in May. And, oh, and, yeah. And a little bit in June, I guess. Just a, 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 a taste of June as well. Yeah, um, yeah. Talk to me about that, because... First of all, it's always great to be out there and playing, but what's it sort of like being on a stage with a guy like Sammy Hager or, or opening up for a guy like Sammy Hager? I mean, first of all, are you a fan? And, I mean, you know, Montrose, Van Halen, et cetera. Talk to me about that package and, and that, that moment for you. Oh, yeah, dude. I mean, Sammy, we've done a few shows with him, uh, you know, here and there over over the last you know few years that, that I've been part of, uh, of Night Ranger. And, I mean, Sammy is the best. i got to tell you the truth, man. I mean, it's... We're really, uh, we're trying to up our, you know, tequila game or Mezcal, Mezquila, I guess his new one, you know, because we're getting ready for him because he likes to have a great time. He wants to have fun, uh, you know, on stage and off. And that's really, I think it's, it's great, man. And the guys in his band, I mean, Vic on guitar is awesome and a killer dude. You got Jason. Uh, and, and Mike Anthony lives down by me in, in Orange County. And he is literally one of the nicest, coolest guys. You probably heard that. Yeah, have have him call me. Yeah, <laughs> he's awesome, man. I, he he is, man. He probably will call you when I see him next time at the sushi place. I'll I'll tell him he's got to get with Mitch. I agree. No, it's going to be such a blast. We've got like I think it's like two and a half weeks, and I heard some talk maybe about some possible other shows in September. Maybe um, I'm unsure. I mean, I'm not always 100 percent in the in the loop on on that. But uh, yeah, dude, it's going to be rad, man. It's going to be a lot of fun. And uh, like I said, he wants to have a good time, play and entertain the people. And that's really what Night Ranger's about as well. Um, I mean, if it ain't fun, if we're not having fun, which we are, then you, you shouldn't even do it. You know, I mean, music business or, or entertainment business, if you want to call it, we are really there to entertain the people. And, and Night Ranger has such a great catalog. You know, Sammy has such a great catalog. Um, and it gets people, you know, they, they have to go drive down to the place, you know, buy tickets park their car for 20 bucks or 25 bucks, buy some beers. I mean, it's like, you know, $150, $200 evening for people to go out. You know, you want to entertain them. And, and I think the show is going to be killer. We're all looking forward to it. So oh, it, it's going to be spectacular. And and I'm hoping you add a few dates. I've looked at the one so far and it's like, oh, yeah. I'm not available. I can't go. That one's too far. It's like, oh, come on. We're, yeah, yeah. Do, like do better, the, damn it. The rumblings about September. <laughs> good, good. Uh, I hope I can make September. Now, uh, just real quick, uh, Don't Let Up yep. was the last yep. Night Ranger album. You had a chance to contribute on it. Uh, there's writing mm-hmm. credits. You played on it. It's the first one. Well, the first non-live one, the first studio one, I guess. Um, yeah, yeah. Talk to me about being involved in the process and, and putting your stamp on sort of the next chapter of night ranger music it, it it did they give you sort of freedom and say hey you've been with the band come and join us or did you have to sort of beg and say oh please i've been in the band can i can i have a shot at this like well you know because that happened i mean listen no, that it, happens it, 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 yeah no it was uh, i mean you know the night ranger guys like i said i mean they're they're the greatest guys they love playing they love creating new music i know a lot of bands that are you know from that you know in the 80s and such don't like to do records because I think people don't want to hear them or whatever. But I mean, these guys love to play. They love to create, um, you know, and in this day and age, everybody has home studio. Jack has a real incredible studio, but you know, I, I have a cool studio with drum room and this and that or whatever. So it's pretty easy to kind of work up demos or, or, you know, do the projects, you know, 
to make a record, whether it's a, a new revenge record or, or the night ranger and how, how it worked on my side of it for the songwriting. Um, I kind of got a few ideas together. I don't know, maybe about a half dozen. And I sent them over to Jack and he kind of picked through a few of them. And then I flew up, up to his house. He has pro tools. I have a pro tools rig. Um, so I brought the sessions that he liked and we just literally, we hashed them out there in a, in a couple of days. And it was that simple. I mean, we wrote them really quick. It was, it was easy and, and we worked together fine. Um, and then I went over to, to Brad's house and worked on a few ideas with him as well. I was kind of like the you know engineer. I was helping, you know, we're cutting guitars together and things like that. But it was, a uh, man, it was really seamless. It was easy and, and painless. The guys are, they said, hey, we're doing a record. Do you have any ideas? That's what it was. And that's when I sent those few over to, to Jack. And he kind of cherry-picked the, the things that he liked. And then we developed them together. So yeah. it was it was painless, man. It was awesome. And, the and I mean, to work with great. those guys, I mean, they're legends, man. I mean, Jack has written so many great songs. Kelly, Brad, you know, they've all been involved. But, you know, Jack was, a, you know, going into the damn Yankees and written other songs with a lot of other people. You know, Alice, uh, uh, Vince Neal, this, that, or whatever, through the years. Um I mean, it was just, it, it was a blast, man. And like I said, these guys are, are, are legends and awesome songwriters. So I was very proud to be a part of it. Yeah, and it's such a great, great album. Um, you have, of course, played with many different bands. I've seen you play with uh, Slash's Snake Pit. I've seen you in Vince's band, Rat, Warrant, uh, yeah. everybody's favorite, Pretty Boy Floyd. Um, talk to me about sort of moving around in all these bands is night ranger your home or is night ranger just the next destination or just the next sort of you know where where i led where i lay my head is home kind of moment where do you sort of see your career are you still the, the traveling guy the traveling band yeah no absolutely i mean night ranger i mean i i am fully committed to the guys um cuz for all the reasons that i just stated i mean they really run their organization, you know, it's impeccable. Um, the way they do business, they're great guys. Everybody gets along with each other. It's easy. They, like I said, they love playing. They love having fun. Um, I mean, for me, it, it's a no brainer, you know, I mean, it, unless, uh, unless Kirk quits Metallica and <laughs> I think I'm going to be, I'm going to be, uh, hanging in here with night Ranger, you know, as for as long as they, they want to keep playing, which I don't see them stopping anytime soon, man. Which is good for everybody because we we love a Night Ranger show. Um, real quick, uh, let's get over here. One more Night Ranger, and then I'll ask you about uh, craft beers. But uh, yeah. the band in at the end of 2018, they did the Dawn Patrol and Midnight Madness album show or album shows. Yeah. Um, yeah. Talk to me first of all about having a chance to play that classic stuff because you know you might play a greatest hit here and there during the regular set, but now you're playing the entire albums song after song playing that classic stuff and then is that something the band did and it's done or do we see ourselves doing more album shows more dawn patrol shows more like sort of just talk to me about that and and maybe what the future is for that yeah well um i think we've done three or four of those double album shows and uh and and I know that in Japan, when we were going back to Japan in the, the first two weeks of October, I don't know the exact dates, but uh, I know that those are going to be the double album shows. Uh, as far as throughout the summer, if there's going to be any more, I, I'm, I'm kind of unclear on that. But, I mean, when we came into it and, and they came up with the idea, I mean, I, I think it, it was awesome. I mean, we had talked about it like a year or two ago, and then it finally came to fruition. Um, and it was neat going back on some of those songs that, that – 
there were like four songs out of the two records. I believe it was four. Might have been five, but there's four that I know for a fact that they have never played. That they didn't even play like on the first, you know, tour or whatever. Um, for whatever reason, I, I don't know. But, you know, Jack was saying, yeah, we've never played this one. It's never been played, you know, back from whatever, 83, 85. So, you know, we're going on, on these songs and learning them, you know, really trying to break down the guitar parts. Me and Brad were working on them to make sure we had them all, you know, totally tight and perfect. And, uh, yeah, we really tried to, to do the material justice. And I think that, that we, we did and we do. Um, and it is so fun to play the album like in their entirety, you know, just how it was sequenced and stuff. And, and I think the fans loved it. Um, so I'm really looking forward to doing it again, whether it's there's some shows coming up or obviously the Japan shows are going to be epic. So it was rad. The guys were excited, too, because, like I said, some songs they've never played in 30, what, 35 years. So it's really cool. It's it's amazing to, to to see a band getting so excited and having so many tours and you know Japan, Sammy Hagar, the album tours and new music. Yeah. It's it, it's nice to see that you're not you're not the band is not just resting on its laurels. Um, Aces yeah, and I mean, they like, like yeah, like I said, I mean even on on the touring thing, these guys love to play, you know, and, and have fun and play their material. Um, I mean even Kelly. You know, uh, about a year, what was it, a year and a half ago or whatever, he actually, you know, had had a uh, heart surgery that yep. he had to get done. It wasn't it wasn't anything that was a, some emergency. It was planned out. And it was like, hey, you should get this taken care of. But, I mean, this is a guy drums and sings. Like an, I mean, the guy is a beast, man. That guy is incredible. But literally goes in and has heart surgery, comes back three and a half weeks later, was singing with the band. He just came out and sang for like a week or two. Then he comes right back and starts playing drums and singing a whole 90 minute show, dude, like literally five weeks after heart surgery. I mean, these guys are, are warriors, man. Literally. He's a complete beast. And just to go back to where we started here at the M3 festival last year. Yeah. He, you, you couldn't tell. He didn't have any yeah. signs of fatigue or any, he wasn't bitching and moaning like, Oh, blah, blah, blah. I need a private room to go rest or blah. nothing. No. He, yeah, he no, it's, happy, it's smiling, it's, top shape. I mean, he, he not an ounce of fat anywhere. Just, just, it's just like, okay, man, that, that's yeah, respect. No, um, it, 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 it blows me away, man. It's, it, believe me. I mean, I, like I said, I have a drum set at my house for doing the, you know, recording and things like that. And I'll go in there and play drums a little bit. I'll play for like 10 minutes or 15 minutes, dude. I'm like winded, dude. I'm like, <laughs> you know, and, and this guy, like, like I said, he, after surgery or whatever just to be able to play for 90 minutes and do all that all those harmonies and singing i mean yeah it's it's legend man i'm i'm so proud of him man. It, a complete That's legend Lord. and and it's just it's yeah. just uh it's strange though that uh, that night ranger just took him and stuck him to the side of the stage and said listen you just go over there <laughs> Yeah, they're like, push him over there. We, we Nobody needs to see him. Just, just stick him in the corner. Um, yeah. It's like a keyboardist. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Put those two guys on the side. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We we need room for the, for the other egos in the middle. We uh, No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. Uh, that's a joke. But uh, Aces and Ales is the, mm-hmm. uh, the the bar. The, well, how would you describe it? I mean, is, is, is the bar, is that, a, is that a proper word for it? Is that a little bit disparaging? It's it's your, your, your well, venture. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Aces and Ales is obviously my my venues in Las Vegas. Yeah, uh, we have two and uh, two locations currently. We're actually building a third location, um, which is going to be uh, a kitchen. Which we have. So basically, what we do, Aces and Ales, is a scratch food kitchen. Everything made from scratch. We don't even have any freezers or anything. Every single day, everything is made from whether it's blue cheese dressing 
to breaking down meat for burgers and, and, and hand pressing them, et cetera. So that's the scratch fruit element. Um, and then craft beer. I've been into craft beer for years. A lot of my buddies uh, started some big craft beer companies back like 20 years ago. <laughs> You're talking to me from a craft beer place in San Francisco today, yeah. in fact. <laughs> I, I, I'm here. I'm at, I'm at my buddy. Yeah, I'm here at my buddy's place in San Francisco called Cellar Maker. Yeah. Incredible beers. We just got here and I go, okay, I got to call Mitch real quick. They're all inside waiting for me. But yeah, um, Stone Brewing, my buddy uh, that owns that from San Diego, I've known him since I was a kid, actually. We used to, in one of my old, old bands in LA, we rehearsed at a building that he was the the owner of the rehearsal studio building. So I met him back then and he transitioned to craft beer. So I was kind of in that world. And how we started Aces and Ales was uh, about 10 or well, it was about 11 years ago now. We've been open for 10 years, but took about a year to find the first location there was not much like really at all craft beer in las vegas which sounds crazy because you think people think of vegas as you can get anything i mean they have you know they have tuna flown in from you know japan every day for the freshest sushi they have all the entertainment they have this and that whatever you know can you you can even get caught you can you can you can get hockey in the desert in vegas like what the hell yeah yeah but but 10 (laughs) years ago they didn't have any beer so so there was a void in the market so um so that's when I started Aces and Ales. And the first location uh, is more, like you said, how do you describe it? It is more of a bar feel, like a classic bar. But though we do, like I said, we have scratch food kitchen. We have over there, we have 22 drafts and uh, 150 plus like rare bottles and things like that. Uh, and then we also have video poker, of course, because you're in Vegas. You've got to, you know, give people some uh, some ways to shove some $100 bills in there. Um, that that was that was the first place 10 years ago. Then six years ago, we opened up another location, the second location on Tanea, and that's more of a restaurant. Um, obviously, you have your bar area, but you have a nice big restaurant, a dining room area. It has an open kitchen, so you can see the guys cooking. It's really neat and everything. It has a nice big patio. Um, that's the second location, 50. We have five zero uh, taps there. Same thing, 150-plus bottle scratch kitchen and the gaming. The new location that we're building um, is going to be our biggest location, it's going to be 8,900 square foot and then two patios on, on either side, like 2,000 square foot, so 1,000 each. Um, and that's going to also encompass a brewery. So it's going to be a brewery. We're going to have probably 36 or so draft lines there, uh, the kitchen, a little bit of gaming. We might only have five machines over there. Um, and, yeah, scratch foods and, and brew our own beer, man. We're, we're really getting down, man. We're into it. You're into it we're now. We're turning Vegas on, baby. <laughs> Just real quick, because I know you got you got to get back here. Uh, in terms of the beer selection, is that something yeah. where you sit down and, and, and concoct a recipe and put it to, or, or is it just you sort of gather around the local brewers and the local stuff and say, okay, I'd like to have you in my like? Is it creating new craft beers and new 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 tastes, if for for the lack of a better word, or is it just sort of going out there and finding what's in the wild and then bringing it into to aces and nails? Um, well, I mean, as far as, as brewing beer, you know, obviously we're going to have a head brewer at the new location, but, um, you know, I've kind of been into home brewing is what they call it, uh, for years. My cousin turned me on to it, like in the, like in the early nineties. Um, and so that's kind of when I first started doing it and things like that, which is, is, is rad because you are creating, it's like another art, you know, um, you know, you could use different hops or different malts and different yeasts. I know a lot of people probably don't know what the hell I'm talking about, but, um, it's fun. It's interesting. And then two weeks later, you see what, what came out. But uh, I brewed a lot of different beers with a lot of big companies. They're called collaborations is what people uh, call them. And actually, we're getting ready to do another one with, with Stone Brewing here next month. But uh, I've done beers with Stone. I've done beers with uh, Sierra Nevada. 
um, Lagunitas, uh, a whole bunch of companies. But, um, yeah, no, it's great. I mean, it's something, like I said, I've been into it for, for decades now. And uh, so what we do when we do a collaboration, we usually kind of figure out what kind of style we want. Okay, let's do an IPA or, hey, let's do a Saison or we want to do an Imperial Stout, you know, like a really powerful, like 10% or 11%, you know, and then we, myself and or the, the brewer of that facility, Stone or, or whoever it may be, you know, you kind of just hash it out. Hey, man, let's do one with, with this yeast or I heard this other yeast is, is some people are getting some good results on it. Let's use you know, two row malt or let's use some, there's just so many things, but yeah, you collaborate with the, with the brewer of the actual facility. Um, and you just have fun, dude. Believe me, these guys, they're, they're kind of like rock stars these days. Do the, the craft brewers, man. I mean, they're like people like come up and get autographs from them. I swear to God, it's, it's, it's pretty cool. And like I said, it's very artistic and it's fun throwing different ingredients in and, and, uh, and seeing what the outcome is a couple of weeks later and what resonates with the people, you know? Wow, it's great. Uh, and speaking of great, A New Revenge featuring uh, yeah. Tim Ripper Owens and more comes out March 29th, 2019 via Golden Robot Records. They, and I'm going oh, yeah. to plug somebody else, but they also have a John Sykes record coming out soon, which, Jesus Christ, what a company. Beautiful. They, 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 yeah, they absolutely do. I mean, the guys over there, Mark, who's the owner of the company, and then yep. the president, Derek Shulman, uh, you probably know Derek's been around for a long oh, time. Shul- Shulman said pretty yeah. much created or, or discovered everybody that we listen to, basically. Oh, ab- absolutely. <laughs> I mean, even pr- from from the old days, you know, back in the like, the good old days in the in the 80s and into the 90s, and when he was a, a president over there, Roadrunner or whatever. I mean, bringing great music. Your your Canadian brethren, the, the Nickelback, uh, Slipknot, and I mean, so many people. Derek is 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 a lord, and a legend, and uh, we're proud to be over there with him, starting this new venture, this new label, and. Uh, and it's awesome, man. I, I appreciate you having us here, you know, or having me on the show and, uh, you know, pimping it out a little bit. But, yeah, we have the, the well, first lead tracks called called The Way, and then we have a new track. The second track's coming out, uh, Never Let You Go, and then the album comes out, like you said, at the end of, of March, man. So we're uh, we're excited. Yeah, it, it's going to be great, and, and it's just uh, the players on it are great, and everybody's great, and uh, and I, I wish Golden Robot a lot of success because it, they're putting out albums like this, and like I said, John Sykes and a bunch of others, uh, Little Caesar yeah. and, and, and stuff like that, and hey, we need people like Mark over there at Golden to keep keep the spirit alive, right? So Yeah, yeah, exactly, and and, and like I said earlier, you know, some bands don't uh, think that that they need to put new records out or that nobody cares or whatever. And I really, it's a shame, I think, you know, to, to have that kind of a mindset. Cause I think, you know, like night Ranger is still creating due to this day, 30, whatever, six, 37 years later, yeah. they want to make music together and they want to, you know, it's, it's, it's how we're wired, man. And I, I think it's great. And I wish some of the other, you know, heritage or older bands, still had that, that mindset. And, and I have to say, yeah. quite frankly, the last three night Rangers, are as good and it may be in some cases better than some of the earlier ones. And I know that's blasphemy for some people, but they're more complete. The, the songwriting is more mature. The playing is more consistent. Uh, yeah, yeah. They're, they're delivering the goods. And uh, speaking of, and Judas Priest also just delivered the goods. Yeah. No, the, there's, it, it's working. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's working. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Mary, it, it, it's great. Yeah, man. So uh, get back to your to your buddies in, in San Fran and, of course, uh, keep in touch. And when there's anything else to promote, let's do it. And I will try to find my way to a Night Ranger show at some point, and uh, we'll, we'll make it happen. 
I hope so, Mitch, man. I love you, brother. It was great talking to you, man. I hope to see you soon, and uh, you know, give me a dial anytime, man. Absolutely. Merci, monsieur. Thank you. All right. Bye-bye Take now. Take it easy, brother. Cheers. Bye-bye.